right. So yeah, this is a interesting topic. I, f- I felt like, you know, we've talked about some of these passages before with the spirit and the spirit complex, but I'm, I feel like I don't, I don't really understand as much as I, I can, you know, pretend like I know what I'm talking about when we're talking about sp- the spirit and spirituality. I think that there's, there's a great mystery to it. So the more we, it's like I'm mystified still by some of the ways Ra described the spirit complex and the implications of the spirit being connected to the tree of mind and what you know even what the tree of mind represents is kind of a mysterious thing to me so i thought we should do a, you know a study specifically on um these subjects the tree of mind spirit complex and to a degree what is meant by the roots of the tree of mind and what is meant by the spirit as a shuttle that then can bring sort of infinity into the the awareness of the mind and sort of merge the the beingness of the of the mind with the infinite potential um, and, the, and again these are my words on this we have to look at what ross says too um, it sure would be nice to um to adopt some sort of graphical understanding um to this or or a diagrammatic approach um especially as we talk about things like you know the tree of mind for example um i definitely do not you know, believe that as they describe it, that necessarily the tree of life would be, for example, the right analog in this case. So maybe there's a, a different one. But as I was reading the passages, I was still trying to, you know, form this mental picture of kind of the, the structure of the tree itself and, and the complexes as they connect to one another. This would be a good time then to teach people about how to find the, um, the diagram that was made by LL Research which I think is under um, channeling on their llresearch.org website. And then you go to the raw contact and then scroll down. Um, I think that, yeah, the raw contact resource series, I think that might be it. Um, And then there's this book here, which you can get a PDF of, or you can buy it on Amazon. um, Or I think you probably buy it straight from their website on their LL research online store. I think they make more money if you buy it straight from their website versus Amazon. Um, and then figure out where it's at. Um, yeah, illustration there. We I saw it there. So that's page two eighteen. Two hundred and seventeen, I think, is what I was. I was actually looking at that same one earlier too. I love that one. There it is. Ah. So, conscious mind is at the top of the tree as the branches and leaves, um, and then the intuition they're showing is the trunk. Um, I guess one, one could presume that this is kind of like the aspect of the mind of which you're most aware is the above ground part. Um, and then it, maybe it's just like, uh, uh, also a, a glacier where we're seeing the tip of the iceberg when we see the conscious mind and the intuition. Um, and then down below the surface, we have the personal unconscious racial mind, planetary mind, which they also call the Akashic mind, which is where like the roots of all memory of humanity are stored in that in that portion of the mind. And then the archetypal mind, uh, and then the cosmic or all mind, which is also like cosmic consciousness. I think they've described it as cosmic consciousness. And then and then once you're like reaching this state of infinity, um, which, which could also be the boundary between space-time and time-space, I'm not sure if that's related to this. That's another part of the study I think we should get into is why they refer to the spirit complex as being related to 
uh, proximity to time-space dimensions. And then they refer to the spirit complex as being what can funnel into the roots of the of the tree of mind and be a shuttle to the actual infinite into infinite intelligence. So does that sound like I got all that right, Nathan? Yeah, the one thing I guess I'd uh, also add to that too is that the baseline there where the personal unconscious starts and meets the intuition, that level is basically the veil of forgetting. So that's what's drawn over our minds from the conscious mind to the unconscious. So everything below the surface at the root level there is yeah, basically wrapping the unconscious mind, which is all the different layers that we can't um, access without actual work or um, contacting, I guess, through the spirit. Yeah, yeah, and and that's straight from what we we're discussing with the archetypes of um, you know male and female and the the dipping from the matrix of the mind more and more into the potentiator of the mind is is the dipping into the the unconscious potential. So it's kind of like that's why it's the feminine. The feminine is coming from the intuition uh, angle of the mind, and then the masculine is coming from the conscious mind um, approaching the, the the intuition and deciding how to use the resources of of infinite potential of the mind. And maybe I should we should just start jumping in some of the quotes now. But I, so there's two basically quotes that, that I I felt were would be good as a recap. Um, one of them was seventy nine point. 20 and one of them was 30.2. Um, so I guess I should start with 30.2. That was where they were describing this tree, I think. Um, yeah, and this is one of the places where they discussed the, the tree of mind. Um, and the yeah, the, I, this is something I could just you know ponder on the on this for a long time. So I think it's worth it to keep rereading this as many times as we need to. Um, but the question was, would you define mind, body, and spirit separately? And Ross said, these terms are all simplistic descriptive terms, which equal a complex of energy focuses. The body, as you call it, being the material of the density which you experience at a given space-time or time-space. This complex of materials being available for distortions of what you would call physical manifestation. Um, and th th this is really dense too. Just even trying to describe the way they look at the body. Um, maybe you stop there. as, as um, broad as uh, all physical materia relative in density to any particular experience in consciousness. That that the body is always all all physical manifestation, not just the body as we know it. And this sort of makes me think of <clears throat> the body of Christ. As I've been thinking about that lately and that being all of physical reality as we know it as well is that how you read that this is really materia not yeah specific yeah. the individuated aspect yeah i do feel like when we're talking about the physical reality you know it, it's up to us how much we want to identify with it and we can extend our identity outward and say i am the stars and um i'm just a, a branch off of that and it's funny, I was also reminded of uh, um, what Jesus said in John 15. Um, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this this concept of the tree of mind is already right there. And in, in this, this metaphor of the vine and the branches. Um, and that with the, you can't do anything apart from the, from the vine. 
that is like the life force of the tree that permeates all of reality, I think. But that's that was just an interesting connection I just made like 10 minutes before the call. <laughs> Indeed. And and that would put the the physical branches sort of in linearity beyond the vines. Like you said, it's you can't have one sort of separate or or without the other. But it, that kind of reminds me of the son of God into son of man kind of um, progression. Yeah. Um, so let's let's continue here, and maybe we can come back to the implications of some of this. Um, the mind is a complex which reflects the inpourings of the spirit and the uppourings of the body complex. So they're using um, directional language here, the inpourings of the spirit and the uppourings of the body complex. Um, and I think the uppourings of the body complex is partly used to refer to the kundalini system um, and the fact that there's the, the lower energies of the body are, are coming up into the crown chakra um, as we're as we're integrating the the two directions of the downward from the crown the inpourings of the spirit and then upward from the body um, and so the mind is like the the kundalini being reflected um, and this would would or would not also exist in a way on the diagram that we've been looking at on the tree of mind as well. Good question. I think I think you could say that does um, it, but it's like the body is sort of like upside down here. I suppose it's like inverted almost, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It kind of more ties in with, I guess, what they talk about, the upward spiraling light and the downward spiraling light. So the downward coming from the spirit and the upward coming up through the feet from the earth and up into the energetic system here. And this, I think, more ties into the mind specifically and then how that interacts with, I guess, the spirit. But I guess you can kind of see it as the reverse as well, like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So that could be a microcosm there of the, the mind complex specifically. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm excited to get to 79.20 also, um, where they say uh, the, con the, the matrix of the mind is that from which all comes. So there's there's an implication there that, you know, the mind really is the heart of how all the distortions of the space time become become apparent. Um, so the mind complex contains what you know as feelings, emotions, and intellectual thoughts in its more conscious complexities. So this is the this is the the, the branches are the feelings, emotions, and intellectual thoughts. And then moving down further down the tree of mind, we see the intuition, which is of the nature of the mind more in contact or in tune with the total beingness complex. And there's another phrase to ponder on the total beingness complex um, suggests maybe that's related to the totality too. That I was going to ask that. Yeah. Um, so, so this is the part of the mind that that has the connections to the bigger, the bigger portion of the mind. Um, total beingness complex. Um, which could mean that 
on some level you're going beyond time and space when you when you reach down to the cosmic mind right and that probably also kind of ties into with the higher self nature once you get into the um break through that veil and start to communicate again i guess with your unconscious you are working your way i guess towards that total beingness complex right right yeah and the connection between the mind body spirit complex totality and the higher self is describes basically like the same same kind mm -hmm. of communication yeah so moving down to the roots of mind we find the progression of consciousness which gradually turns from the personal to the racial memory to the cosmic influxes and thus becomes a direct contactor of that shuttle which we call the spirit complex so that's why they they say that spirit complex is right below the the tree and that progression makes sense in terms of becoming less and less individuated as it goes down perhaps though we can talk about the um <clears throat> the shuttle concept i know we've talked about this on other other uh, calls but um i'd like to contextualize this concept of the shuttle and yeah. see how it plays in the the uh, passages we're going to read yeah i guess that'd be we could probably do that um i think the next even paragraph on there kind of starts to dive into that because that's what i was going to say at least to me but i'll let you if you if you want to read that first then we can kind of break it down a little bit more yeah we could read this and then switch to the shuttle discussion because that's that's really the biggest um <laughs> it's like the heart of why we're seeking intelligent infinity is is this shuttle concept um and what is this, what is the spirit really for what are we achieving with spiritual transformation um the, the spirit complex is the channel and that's, that's i think they use that word channel also as synonymous with shuttle at, at some points mm -hmm. uh the channel whereby the inpourings from all the various universal planetary and personal inpourings may be funneled into the roots of consciousness and whereby consciousness may be funneled to the gateway of intelligent infinity through the balanced intelligent energy of body and mind and this brings us also to session the session six discussion about the um finding balance with mind body and spirit um and then how you need the the balanced mind and body to become more more able to activate the the higher potentials of of intelligent infinity so by, by that paragraph there, I'm curious if you guys agree to, it seems like so that channel or funnel there is basically the entire unconscious mind, at least is what the way I take that. So we talked to the various universal planetary and personal importings. So that's basically all of those layers we were looking at in that diagram. And it's a two-way funnel at that point, the spirit complex that is. So it's going, um, I guess you'd say on that diagram going upward would be from intelligent energy, intelligent infinity, up to the actual conscious mind where the other way would be coming downward i guess from what they were describing be filtering in so and i guess i see it as a two-way funnel is the way i'm reading that there it does describe two funneling processes right one where the importings are funneled into the roots of consciousness and then secondarily where consciousness may be funneled to the gateway of intelligent infinity is 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 the direction of the gateway of intelligent infinity represented in the diagram um toward the bottom is that what we would yeah okay 
Yeah. But um, <laughs> it could be that it maybe it is the other way too. This is, yeah, this is confusing to me to consider if this, they're, they're trying to say it both ways. Um, but my, my, my belief on this was when I came into this call was that these are basically both talking about downward directions. Um, the roots of consciousness I was assuming was the cosmic mind. So funneling all the various universal planetary and personal inpourings maybe funneled into the roots of consciousness. And then I guess that would mean that, I mean, I, th I think that, that we're talking about the lowest of the roots here, but, but that was, but that could also mean if we're talking about the roots of consciousness, you could say that that's the will that is driving the conscious mind from the most, the aspect of it that we're most conscious about. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Roots of consciousness uh, is not necessarily interchangeable or synonymous with roots of mind. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So um, we can we can keep on questioning that one, and we have no answers in these in these meetings. We're just questioning, I guess. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, doing our best. Right. So, well, okay. So as we as we as we launch into the discussion of the of the shuttle, I'd like to understand the function. I suppose of the shuttle. Um, there is a lot here that that I feel I could benefit from tweezing apart here, and not the least of which is just um, words that are used differently in different wisdom traditions. So for for in a lot of them, the spirit itself is sort of reflective or representative of the monad, whereas, um, you know, as function of shuttle, I think Ra also describes the spirit or perhaps the, is it the matrix of the spirit is that which does not, is not motile, right? Is that right? Uh, okay. Right. Let's, let's pull that up now too. Okay. S slash 79. 29.20. Yeah. So the matrix of the spirit is difficult to characterize since the nature of spirit is less motile. Um, so we can forgive ourselves for Ross saying this is actually difficult to characterize. Um, so our hopes for, <laughs> for comprehending it just, just fell off quite a bit, but that's all right. <laughs> we're here. We're doubled up um, twice. So yeah. And that's why they were originally, these things had to be communicated through just imagery. There was no, there was no words. There was images to ponder. And so we're, we're really, we're with we're, the spirit, we're pondering the, the difference between darkness, raw, infinite darkness, and, and then the, the potential of light expressed through the symbol of lightning, the most sudden awakening, yeah, the most sudden awakening, illuminating or generative influence of the deepest darkness and the, and the potentiator spirit is the sudden awakening. Um, so that's why they say this is the most, the, the energies and movements of the spirit. And I would say perhaps now that we have the transformation of the spirit, that you could say the transformation of the spirit is the most profound kind of transformation. Um, and maybe that's what, so, so in this particular uh, answer they're talking about before um, the veil, uh, the harvest of the previous octave. Um, and so that's why they're just talking about matrix potentiator and significator here. Um, and before there was the transformation archetype, there was movement. Um, and so 
the energies and movements of the spirit are by far the most profound. Um, yet having more close association with time space, the metaphysical dimensions, they do not have the characteristics of dynamic motion. Um, and, and they also said that the you know the nature of time space is the nature of being, as opposed to the nature of space time being the nature of function. So the dynamic motion might be related to the the concept of the function that we're seeing when we're working with mind and body and seeing um like billiard balls bouncing off of each other with the the ways in which we're learning lessons and perhaps the nature of time space being the nature of being is something where we're sort of having a profound re-realization -re of being that is the nature of the movement from darkness to light that is sort of more um profound and fundamental um, to the way in which all of evolution is taking place. So <clears throat> let's um, let's understand that more and understand the the role that the spirit complex or the and each of its archetypes, I suppose, um, plays in in this discovery, this realization. Um, and again, still uh, spirit as shuttle. Let's talk about what's. Um, we've had importings right discussed and there's energies but is that is that what we are taken to understand the shuttle to mean here that the spirit is the means by which the energies uh you know from from realms obviously beyond the diagrams that we're looking at um enter into um our experience here i may ask you to restate that um I, I want to pull up some more quotes, definitely, and, and let us dig into what I had planned with, with this. Um, so I think I want to go to session 80 for now. This is the very next session of this. Maybe after I read this, you can ask your question again, Andrew. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm simplifying it in my mind right now. Um, so this question was, um, uh, this was a long discussion about, um, the relationship between service to self and service to others, I think, um, that lower part has to do with the transformation of spirit as well, too, but that could be something we can look at a little bit later, um, after kind of analyzing what Andrew's saying here, basics of the spirit. Yeah, I'd like to know where the monad is when we, you know, get to that part. But um, yeah, you mean ahead. in the in the material, or what? What, what you're thinking yeah. of as the monad? Monad. Yeah, monad. what I'm thinking of the monad, the the divine spark. I mean, the, again, I'm trying to find the 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 to map the terminology here a little bit different because obviously how Rob refers to spirit is is probably more specific and and. You know, there's more definition and nuance to it here, and so I, I can unmap or un undefine um, that in the other wisdom traditions. But I'm still trying to find out where it exists within this sort of cosmology, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I thought we should, um, yeah, mention the nature of spirit here as a shuttle. Is they said um, the question was, is the spirit building a potential to draw directly on the spirit for power. And Ross said it'd be more proper to say this adept is calling directly through the spirit 
to the universe for its power, for the spirit is a shuttle. And and so for, for me, this is suggesting that it's like um, the spirit represents um, like the vessel through which um, we are we are becoming the the facet of the universe that we are choosing to channel. And so it's as though we we are the universe. The universe is is one with us, and then the spirit is this bridge between you know the the the, the universal mind, the universal natures, the archetypal natures. You could say, I think, um, and then the the individual nature, um, and then the very next metaphysical connection, basically between the two, right? It's all of the different levels of mind below that's the spirit complex is the ability to then funnel that up into our conscious mind, but it's basically reaching out to intelligent energy or intelligent infinity of, of the creation. So you can pull in that universal power that they're, they're talking there. Yeah. And then the next one was, um, I thought this was kind of informative. Um, maybe I'll skip over the question because uh, Ross said it's challenging to answer such a query where there's some confusion in its construction. Um, so Ross said here, the adept, whether positive or negative, has the same matrix, um, which would be the same matrix of spirit we're talking about here. Um, which is archetypal darkness. Uh, and the potentiator is also identical, which is the lightning. Uh, due to the catalyst of, the, of each adept, the adept may begin to pick and choose that into which it shall look further. The experience of the spirit, that which you have called the moon, is then by far the more manifest of influences upon the polarity of the adept. Even the most unhappy of experiences, shall we say, so they're saying the moon can represent a shadowy experience and that can be an unhappy experience so even the most unhappy experiences represented by the moonlight which seem to occur in the catalyst of the adept seen from the viewpoint of the spirit may with discrimination possible in shadow be worked with until light equaling the light of the brightest noon descends upon the adept and positive or service to others illumination has occurred so this is referring to the significator of the spirit when they say the brightest noon, that's the sun. So, so you can work in shadow with any aspect of, um, of manifestation, even if it seems like a very unhappy spiritual experience, and you can discover, discern the light of the sun um, being like this infinite potential in that, in that dimmest of light that you started with. Like that analogy where you can see a rope at night, but it looks like a snake. So you think it's something else, but then when you shine a light on it or it becomes daytime, you realize, oh, it's, it's just a rope. It becomes clear um, what you're, what you're looking at. It's more of a realization at that point. Right. And then to con contrast the, the two polarities, they say the service to self adept will satisfy itself with the shadows and grasping the light of day We'll toss back the head in grim laughter, referring to darkness. Um, but I guess that's also confusing to me if that means that the um, the significator of the spirit is um, sort of recognized and perverted, or if it's just never reached by the never fully reached by the by the negative adept. But um, 
because they're working in the shadows primarily to further their experience um, through sort of, I guess, the, I guess they're extending their identity through manipulation of others and then sort of using the energy of others to identify themselves in a false sense of self, which is still further shadows. Um, and then that's kind of like the nature of the universe is this continuing hall of mirrors, which are dimly lit shadows. So um, uh, along the lines of Don's question here, um, uh, around polarity, um, Ross says that the experience of the of the spirit it seems to be the most influential. Is it not the significator that is um, sort of defining what that experience is? Or um, I think the catalyst defines what the experience of the spirit is and the interpretation of the catalyst. Um, and then, and then I think the transformation is more defined by the the uh, the way in which we're accepting the the significator. So catalyst is the the opportunity to to learn or to grow to to process the experience. to have experience, yeah, right. To have experience, the experience is sort of the the linear uh, approach to catalyst, and that I can see it coming, I can operate on it and um, see how that process plays a role in life, et cetera. And then, and then the significator does what with the experience? Wouldn't that well, be your level of understanding of where, where you're at, at for that time being? So that catalyst can then affect it, but you're seeing it through that level of, of your experience as the significator, at least the way I've understood it. But yeah, the significator seems to be a, a, a very uh, integral conscious agent here, um, or at least that's that's how I tend to um, have, at least in, in looking at the significator of the mind anyway, which um, is the only one that I've looked at in any depth, obviously, because that's what Ra does here. So I'm just trying to... Uh, Thanks, Mike, would you agree with that? Or did you think that was different from, I mean, you, you studied these more than, than anyone, I think. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm making my own assumptions too, based on my own. Um, uh, well, my, I feel like when Ross says that the significator represents the simple and unified concept before the veil, the fact that there's, there's a, there's a simple concept um, represented in the significator uh, suggests that um that the significator is kind of bringing bringing the significance out forefront of the experience. The experience was a muddy, uh, muddy, um, uh, unprocessed thing until the significator is fully expressed. Which is, you know, in the case of shadows, the significator becomes the light. So the the, the shadow, all experience of the spirit is is shadow, and then the light is the the heart of the the processing. Once it's once it's found the the meaning, um, that's that's my interpretation. And so so I, so Ross says when you're studying these to pair catalyst of the spirit with experience of the spirit, uh, and and look at these two side by side, and when you're studying significator to pair that with the choice, pair that with the fool archetype, and um, and and to me that suggests that the um, you know the, the heart the heart of the of the significator is is 
making making a choice about the interpretation of the experience um, and the interpretation that we've made um, then leads us to the potential of transformation, although the, the 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 transformation is said to be something to study in the context of the great way of the spirit. They say to study transformation alongside the great way. Um, and and so that so the great way is really, I think, maybe what we're aiming at here with our holistic appreciation of how these archetypes fit together, um, which is specifically meant to be contact with intelligent infinity um, or like a process of becoming the universe, becoming the world through um, sort of extending our, our sense of self out into the infinite mind through the, the spiritual shuttle, I think. Um, In the previous section that you said that they were talking about adding on the significator after um, those other archetypes were there, um, does the same go for uh, the ones that are after that as well, the transformation in great way. Do you consider those to be archetypes that were? Yeah, added later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's just the three of each mind, body, spirit. There was but matrix potentiator and uh, significator. So it was like those, those three were enough to evolve back into one for the previous universe, previous octave. And then the further expression of what this process means brought about explorations of deepened uh, processing of what is experience and what is transformation and what is the great way that is the the bigger picture of all three uh, of all seven uh, archetypes yeah I was gonna ask that too if if the great way is is somewhat holistic of of um, the other six as well to yeah put a Put a cherry on top, so to speak. We could we could go to a, a a great way discussion right now a little. I think that might help. And go down to the tarot section. I think it might be helpful also. At one point I was trying to put together like a situation where you can look at like something in life here, you learning a lesson kind of thing, outlining it with each of the different each of the seven archetypes so you can see, I guess put a persona to each one. And I have a few ideas, but I won't go over it now, but maybe we could bring that up next time if I can get everyone's opinion on it beforehand. So I feel like it could help understand this process by giving you an actual scenario and then look at how each of the different seven, I guess, play out in, in a practical situation. I would love to do exactly that and to fi find the archetypes, basically. Here's, here's a scenario with, um, you know, at least two consciousnesses involved and and then work out where all the archetypes are are at play. I would love to do that. That'd be a very real world kind of practical way of um, putting faces to some of these names. Yeah, it's another form of uh, looking at the fool's journey too, I think. Yeah, oh, exactly, yeah. Um, so let's, let's uh, see what Ross said about the great way here. Um, and this was in the context of uh, discussing the symbol of the Tao. Um, so on card seven, well, I'll pull up the card seven here. Um, this symbol here. Um, uh, there is a T with two right angles above it on the chest of the entity in card seven. We have guessed that the lower T has to do with the possibility of choosing either path and the transformation and the upper two angles representing the great way 
of the left or, or the right-hand path in a mental transformation that makes the change from space-time into time-space, you might say. Is there anything correct in this guess? And Raj just says yes. And then and then the question is, could you comment on that? And they and so this is the the notes here says this is the 19th letter of the Greek alphabet that we're talking about, the tau cross. The use of the tau and the architect's square is indeed intended to suggest the proximity of the space-time of the Great Ways environment to time space. We find this observation most perceptive. The entire mood, shall we say, of the great way, uh, and and this is likely talking about the great way of mind, the great way of body, and the great way of spirit, um, which they also suggest that should be studied three altogether um, initially. Um, so the great way of the mind, body, and spirit is dependent upon the notable difference from the significator. The entire mood is dependent upon the notable difference from the significator. The significator is the significant self to a great extent, but not entirely influenced by the lowering of the veil. So, so that's an, a, a fascinating way of uh, describing the significator. It's the significant self. So in, in an experience of the spirit, that would be the moonlight, the significant self is going to be the the brightest of, of of light that is discerned in that in that dim dimmed experience so there so there's a bringing of identity into that with the the significator um but it's not entirely influenced by the lowering of the veil so there's there's a light that is not yet fully seeing behind the veil um which would be I feel like that's tapping into the intelligent infinity once you lower the veil completely um, with the, in the discussion of the, well, maybe, I mean, the, the great way of the mind and the great way of the body are, are the, and I, yeah, they also call this basically a path of, of, of veil lifting. This is a progressive path that the mind is taking to lift the veil when you're talking about the great way of mind. And then the, the great way of the body is, the alchemist it's the reflection of the mind into material reality and then the nature of the spirit is that which is becoming the 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 cosmos with becoming the the, the world yeah that i mean it's called the world and the as we clothe ourselves with the world that's that's what the the more advanced use of the archetypes they say is to clothe oneself or or become put on the put on the personality of that archetype so putting on a personality of the world is becoming one with the world. And this is becoming the creator at that point, right? Yeah, right. Embodied that and embraced it through that persona, basically, of, of becoming it. Right. Right. So becoming the world is then becoming the universe, becoming the creator is the lowering of the veil um, that is not yet completely, completely achieved when we're looking at the significator. So the great way of mind, body, and spirit draws the environment, which has been the new architecture caused by the veiling process, and thusly dipped into the great limitless current of time-space, which is the potentials of being uh, in a metaphysical sense. Um, and I think it's, it's I think the nature of time-space is also 
relatively well um, expressed by dreaming and um, experiences that are like visions of, of that of the other side in some sense. So looking at that last paragraph, just to make sure I'm understanding that as well too, are they saying that the gray way is then embodying that that new architecture, I guess, that you're seeing? So I guess I was thinking previously that that was tied to more of the experience and the transformation side, but it seems like maybe this all blends together, I guess. Yeah. The end. Yeah. Yeah. There's a new architecture, but I, I, it's, it could be that the, the great way is, is a way of perceiving. Um, okay. I was just going to say perception, yeah. it seems like, and that can kind yeah. of evolve and change over time too, as, as you learn more and as you experience more, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think the discussion of the great way of the body also gives it, gives more clue at this. Um, um, all, uh, so the great way of the body must be seen as are all archetypes of the body to be a mere image of the thrust of the activity of the mind. Um, I guess that's not exactly what I was thinking of. Um, but I do really love that passage. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big one. Body is a creature of the mind, and yet we we um, tend to to uh, treat it as more of a result of its environment and all of the various inputs and all the things that we put into it. Continuing to do things you know aren't right or are good for you from that sense, and yeah, I mean, and I, I would I guess say that putting things into it, or you may choose different things to put into it based on the configuration of your mind, also. So. That's yeah, and to, to me, that's basically the work of spirit there is purifying those two in order to clearly perceive the spirit at that point. Once you have the clear mind and you've worked through any sort of issues, I guess, with the body there, you can then perceive the spirit, which is where they say basically perfect in itself. It's just how we end up perceiving it that ends up getting the distortions. Yep. So this is, I think, one I was looking for here. Um, while studying the archetypical mind, we may suggest that the student look at the great way of the mind, not as that which is attained after contact with intelligent infinity, but rather as that portion of the archetypical mind, which denotes and configures the particular framework within which the, the mind, body, or spirit archetypes move. So for me, that sounds like the matrix too. Um, and that's, that's my confusion right now, but um, I guess the matrix is the unmoving, um, portion of mind and then when the mind has found fullest expression then that's the great way where it's defining the whole framework of going from being unmoved to choosing a path forward of movement and then the entire framework of of experience and, and identity is then defined in in that aspect of of self <clears throat> yeah, this is tough stuff. I'm still processing. <laughs> I feel like uh, this is the beginning to understand it for myself too. And then this was the other. This is the 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 one that um, maybe has the simplest phrasing. Although not everyone understands the the. I should look up these words, but the great way of mind, body or spirit, 
is intended to limb the milieu within which the work of mind, body, or spirit shall be placed. Delineate. So, so the this is a, this is a phrase. Um, maybe I should just ask my 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 good pal GPT. How would how would Chat GPT define the, milieu. the concept of limb the milieu? I think the milieu is that sort of the phrase isn't a common idiom in English, but let's break it down. Limb is a somewhat archaic verb, which means to depict or describe in painting or words, or to outline in clear detail. It can also refer to the act of illuminating, but in modern, in modern usage, it generally means to describe or portray. And milieu means, this is a noun that originates from French and means the physical or social setting in which something occurs or develops. It's synonymous with environment or context. So limb the milieu would mean to clearly describe or portray the environment or context of something. This could be done in writing, art, or other forms of expression. Essentially, it's about capturing the essence or characteristics of a particular setting or context. So based on those two there, I guess, does that mean then from that sense, so Ra also refers to the archetypes as the, the blueprint of, of creation, basically. So are you understanding, I guess, in that sense, that blueprint from a different perspective, I guess, or you're you're further learning the architectural layout of the archetypal archetypal mind for that particular section there, or is that not how you're reading that? Well, I guess for me, it's like um, it, it's like getting the big picture overview, and then maybe that's maybe that's always where things are being shaped from. We're just not fully embodying the archetype enough to have a perception of why our mind, body, and spirit are in the particular framework and environment that they're currently in because we have not um, had that vantage point. Hmm. Yeah, that would make sense. It'd be seeing it from the lower level of, of the mind from going back to our mind complex uh, tree diagram there, you'd be seeing it from the lower level, I guess, of where, where the archetype's originating from. Yeah, and this also relates to the veil, doesn't it? They say, Thusly, um, the veil is shown both somewhat lifted and still present in uh, archetype number seven, the great way of the mind. And we can see that at the top, the veil is represented by this cloth. Um, and on the right-hand path, it's very, uh, very much close to a point. And on the left-hand path, it's much broader, thicker. Um, and so the veil is shown both somewhat lifted and still present, since the work of mind and its transformation involves progressive lifting of the great veil betwixt conscious and deep minds. The complete success of this attempt is not properly a portion of third density work, and more especially third density mental processes. But at least this is the um, this is the chariot represents the path of the lifting of the veil, gradually all, all the way back to becoming sort of merged in with the infinite mind without ever fully completing that that journey of veil lifting. And if I can trace all this back, why were we talking about this when we were talking about the spirit as a shuttle? Um, I think we we're looking at the great way at that point, how to define that, or I guess how to view that, um, even as then from the spirit complex as well. Yeah. 
so it would make sense to me that the the shuttle and maybe i should just um, search for the word shuttle right now and find some of the highlights because this was only 11 results in the material for the word shuttle um, and this was first referenced in session six which we basically started uh, these talks discussing um, they said that the spiritual body energy field is a pathway or channel when the body and mind are receptive and open then the spirit can become a functioning shuttle or communicator from the entity's individual energy of will upwards and from the streamings of the creative fire and wind downwards so this to me is like the kundalini the you know re reaching up to the the crown and then drawing down um from from the fire and wind of i guess the um the infinite mind and here here communicator is another interesting uh word that they suggest as a as a synonym of what they originally called they also called channel and shuttle and communicator and so um this would suggest that if you could see the self as uh an individuated aspect of 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 the universe you can still have a communication with the infinite mind which you may not yet see as yourself completely and therefore even though it's a it's a you're becoming a channel of that infinite mind you might not you, you might still see in terms of communication which is more like a prayer i guess in that sense um of seeing it as as a as a sending upward and then a, and a receiving back with the with the shuttle I think that's probably a good idea for what I was kind of referring to earlier too, with the two-way shuttle like that is, is basically what you would just described there is you reaching out, I guess, and then, then receiving this information back from, from the creator or, or intelligent infinity from, from that point. Right. That's the communication. Yeah. And then, so then th this was specifically this, uh, this question for session six was a continuation of session five where they asked about becoming an effective healer. And so they said the, the healing ability, like all other, what this instrument would call paranormal abilities, is affected by the opening of a pathway or shuttle into intelligent infinity. And then they go into the discussion of some of these holes can be made by people who use LSD, but they don't have a conscious control. It's a random and without control opening. And the purpose of carefully and consciously opening this channel is to serve in a more dependable way, in a more commonplace or usual way. And I assume that's related to the concept of crystallizing the chakras, that as we become more crystallized in our, in our, in all of our chakras, then we become more dependable in using the, um, I guess the mind, body, and spirit as the, as a channel for the love and light of the infinite creator. Um, and this the spirit is the channel opening then in a more dependable way to um what will be called paranormal abilities or miraculous rewritings of of uh the the milieu rewritings of the of the framework or environment of mind body and spirit that's interesting to me to think about the yeah the so when we talk about contact intelligent affinity we are essentially talking about the potential of of a miraculous rearrangement of our of our reality i think because that's from that's the i guess the vantage point from which all of creation is is being decided is from that that highest level um awareness of of intelligence so would that rearranging be the potentiator then as in that 
lightning strike or would you consider that i think at one point they, they said that the potentiator is also um something that you have to open more and more of in order to have more and more of a fuller um breakthrough transformation um so i think the, the so i think that as we align more closely to the purity of the light and the lightning archetype then we open ourselves up more completely as as the shuttle so i think that 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 relates to like the efficiency of the working um the efficiency of becoming light itself when, it, when we clothe ourselves as lightning we're clothing ourselves with the, the raw light of the creator more and more and that and that potential of that light is to is to then open it up more to to a fuller reception or what is the potentiator of or how would you describe the potentiator of the spirit didn't you say that the matrix of the spirit was was dark yeah um and so yeah the potentiator of the spirit then the the sudden awakening the the okay. sudden illumination that we are so whereas when we think of things in potential at other levels we tend to think of those as sort of the unseen or the big you know kind of everything that's unmanifest more or less but in this case the the potential actually is just the the great lightning strike right so uh, here it was um the matrix of the spirit is what you might call the night of the soul or primeval darkness again we have that which is not capable of movement or work um similar to the matrix of the mind um, the potential power of this extremely receptive matrix is such that the potentiator may be seen as lightning in your archetypical system this of, called the tarot this has been refined into the concept complex of the lightning struck tower however the original potentiator was light in its sudden and fiery form that is the lightning itself um and then later they said one may see the matrix of the deepest darkness and the potentiator spirit is the most sudden awakening illuminating and generative influence and then what is the catalyst of the spirit then i think they go on to say that right there below that okay yeah um so the question here was um from the point of view of the 15th archetype uh which was matrix of the spirit um is this an ex excursion into this process so this is i'll, I'll go back here do we, do we already go to yeah so this was the question before we we started out with 80.14 here and we're talking about um calling through the spirit um um the excursion of which you speak and the process of dissociation is most usually linked with that archetype you call hope which we prefer to call faith which is the catalyst of the spirit this archetype is the catalyst of the spirit and because of the illuminations of the potentiator of the spirit will begin to cause changes in the adept's viewpoint Oh. Um, maybe maybe I should have read from the previous questions here. Um, yeah, this was a long discussion that started up earlier in session 80. Um, it started with the discussion of the matrix of the spirit. And we're only one hour in, so I guess we can start going there. <laughs> um, well, that is the topic, right? Yeah, yeah. The 15th archetype, which is the matrix of the spirit, has been called the devil. Can you tell me why this is so? And then Ross said, we do not wish to be facile in such a central query, but we may note that the nature of the spirit is so infinitely subtle that the fructifying influence 
of the light upon the great darkness of the spirit is often not as apparent as the darkness itself. So let me let me pull up a dictionary definition of fructifying here too. Thank you. So uh, fructifying means to make something fruitful or productive, to bear fruit or become productive. So we're we're making the spirit more productive through the influence of light upon the great darkness. But that that fructifying influence is not as apparent is not as apparent as the darkness itself is what they're right they're saying. I mean that's that's interesting. Which is the matrix, and just as the matrix of the body is very apparent, and the physical reality. Um, you know, the idea that there is darkness in this world that we're living in is more apparent than the idea that there is an infinite light that we can continuously draw from in the spirit. Um, the progress chosen by many adepts becomes a confused path as each adept attempts to use the catalyst of the spirit, which is what they called hope or faith. Few there are which are successful in grasping the light of the sun. Uh, which is a significator. By far, the majority of adepts remain groping in the moonlight. And as we have said, this light can deceive as well as uncover hidden mystery. And those are the two paths, basically. The, the service cell path is operating intentionally in deception. Um, and then in the service to others path, you're uncovering hidden mystery. Um, um, I guess it'd be both paths. Yeah, I was going to say, it says the majority of adepts remain groping in the moonlight. And yeah. they they associated that before with the service to self path? I guess I guess it's both. I guess it is both. I um, say it seems like you can become confused even on the service to others path, as you can, based on, I guess, your perception of that, you could be going, I guess, necessarily in a, in a wrong direction, but unknowingly until you uncover more of that light and shed light on on the situation yeah it yeah. says in the next line that it's negative so i mean if we're to look at this whole this whole thing the i don't want to say the experience because that actually is an archetype but i mean the sort of the nature of the spirit um tends to be on the darker it seems, side it says it says the, the melody the melody of this matrix often seems to be of a negative and evil as you would call it nature and then they they, they explain that more in this next paragraph here um, they said it is also be to be noted that an adept is one which has freed itself more and more from the constraints of the thoughts, opinions, and bonds of other selves. Whether this is done for service to others or service to self, it is a necessary part of the awakening of the adept. This freedom is seen by those not free as what you would call evil or black. The magic is recognized, the nature is often not. So they're saying that there's um, the nature of is whether it's service to others or service to self is often not recognized. So it seems to be dark when a person is um, is not as uh, attached to the worldly things. Um, but but the, the the raw light requires that it being sort of become less less attached to the things of the of the finite world, I guess, and become more of service in some way that is um, not easily discernible. And I think that's what the freedom is seen by those as not as evil. So freed itself more and more from the constraints. So this is kind of interesting. If if you if you say 
one who has freed themselves from the thoughts, opinions, and bonds of other selves and is being observed by someone who has not, in this context, referred to as those not free, they're therefore not freed themselves from those thoughts and opinions and bonds of other selves. They, they perceive this freedom, they perceive the release of these, um, the constraints and the, the attachment to the thoughts, opinions, and bonds of other selves in and of itself as evil or at least possibly challenging and to what this feels like to me is sort of like you know what the what the egoic consciousness would claim at that level and say you know but i have to operate within these constraints of limitation etc cetera, etc cetera. and therefore if it if it sniffs out someone or something operating beyond those then then it's declaration of evil I mean, to me, this sounds more like it's it's um, just fear of of annihilation. I mean, just that the ego of consciousness is always up against. And I do think it, it it relates to the moonlight concept that it's 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 just um, it, it's like there's there's just an inability to perceive the nature of the light um, because you're you're always working behind you know, a very confused place. Yeah. And that's kind of what I get in this whole session and what I kind of wanted to, to make sure that that's what you guys were getting from this too, that the, the nature of it seems dark <laughs> and therefore, you know, we've got lots of opportunity to work uh, within the, the shadow. Right. I think that's the disassociation. They kind of talk about what is it in the line or two down on there where it looks it appears to be unfortunate or that you are losing touch with reality, but really you're um, getting in touch more with, with the spirit and with intelligent energy and, and all, all of one there. So you're associating with what's true instead of um, what's part of the illusion, I guess. Right. And where's this reference of the dissociation? Is that below? Um, let's see, Mike. I think it was 80.12 or, or 11 there. Oh, well, we'll, let's go through oh, all go these sequentially here. Yeah. So the next thing Don asked was, could I then say that implicit in the process of becoming adept is the possible partial polarization towards service to self because simply the adept becomes disassociated with many of his kind or like in a particular density in which he inhabits. And Ross says, this is likely to occur. The apparent happening is dissociation, whether the truth is service to self and thus true disassociation from other selves or service to others and thus true association with the heart of all other selves and disassociation with the with only from the illusory husks which prevent the adept from correctly perceiving the self and other self as one um and that's a beautiful phrase i think that might even reference uh scripture in some some sense um but um but a husk is referring to like you know if you have uh like a coconut that's that's what came up first with the um some fruits or seeds will have an outer layer so so the 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 dense layer that's protecting the heart of the of the fruit is the husk and so there are certainly not what it's identified as yeah right in, in all cases when you refer to the husk of anything you are um inherently implicitly now claiming something within that husk that is more uh, fundamental or 
um, identified as that thing. Right. So it's like, yeah, so this is seeing the husks, the illusory husk, it's the illusion. For example, a, a physical body of a person is the is the illusion, the illusory husk, which prevent the adept from correctly perceiving the self and other self as one. So Ra's saying that dissociation is happening regardless. If you are polarizing on service to self, you're dissociating from the other selves. If you are polarizing in service to others, you are dissociating from the illusory husks of, of others and therefore um, more and greater recognition of the oneness that exists beyond it. Yeah. And they, they chose to switch it from dissociation to say association. It's the association with the heart no longer um, associating with the, the illusory husks, like you said, dis dissociation from the illusory husks of being and then association with the heart. So falling in love with the universe, basically, I think is what that means. Man, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so then the, 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 the next one uh, that, that Don asks was, then you say the effect of dissociation on the service to others adept is a stumbling block or or slowing process. And then Ross says, this is incorrect. Um, this dissociation from the miasma of illusion and misrepresentation of each and every distortion is a quite necessary portion of an adept's path and may be seen by others to be unfortunate. Hmm. So it's dissociation from a miasma of illusion and misrepresentation of each and every distortion yeah, this I think that this touches on the same thing that I was, you know, kind of asking in that in that last one, where um, other people might see this and see it as somehow unfortunate. And I, you know, I, I just I find that just fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it, it's funny that you know we have a society that puts a lot of value in very specific things that you got to do, and. And a lot of it's not helping anyone. <laughs> right. And and what's so fascinating, though, is to, to be someone who is, um, who sort of represents a, a, this, a, some level of this type of dissociation um, to other people in my life and how it's sort of seen. It is, it is really interesting because there isn't really the energy of, you know, just being riddled with anxiety over, you know, all of these various facets of the illusion is somehow beneficial or, you know, useful or, or preferent, uh, you know, preferential, I guess, to, to not having that. And yet there is still the, the, the very clear um, conclusion drawn. I think that this is somehow not a worthwhile uh, path because because of the withdrawn uh, investment in the illusion right i think uh, we could look at some chat message here we got todd asked us uh the dark follows a path of, of uh, disillusion i assume you mean disassociation by not seeing the oneness but does that mean still that the service to self ha has connections to us to the source as the shuttle the spirit as the shuttle i think I think that, I think Rod does suggest that the the spirit is still a shuttle for the service to self path if that that um, being is able to sort of become become um, activated through the use of the lower chakras and it's like there's there's still a process of creation and co-creation which is catalytic and and beneficial 
um, for the growth of the of the one infinite creator. And I think that um, this is just my interpretation of this is that when when intelligent infinity is accessed and tapped into by either positive or negative, that once that level is reached, then the minds uh, the minds can perceive the value of both paths completely um, as as sort of um, you know two 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 ways of looking at the creator. Um, it's just that the, the preference is still there. It's the polarity is still there. It's just using it for for different ends. Um, it's it's kind of a amazing thing that it's very controversial to to a lot of people that the the law of one basically says that there's always a purpose and value in the negative uh, catalyst that is, uh, it's just it's just prolonging the journey of everyone else in a sense. But why are we even on a journey in the universe? And why do we break away from being one infinite mind to begin with? It was to have a journey. And so on, on that journey, the matrix of the spirit, the, the very fabric of the spiritual reality is it started out as darkness to to give us the the backdrop from which to perceive the light i guess yeah that seems to be the the fundamental shift in in consciousness or the big one i don't know if this is sort of you know indicative of the fall and you know et cetera, et cetera, all the the various ways that um different traditions have talked about um consciousness um, moving its way downward, I suppose, in this um, exhale and inhale and movement, but that certainly seems to set the stage, really, because that's what creates this this experience of abject separation, right? Like this, this is the darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, we could, yeah. Um, uh, sorry, Todd just asked a question. Um, <clears throat> there is only light and dark is turning away from the light uh yeah i would i would absolutely agree with that that we we are free and allowed to have the experience of of darkness um by choosing you know to deny that light in ourselves but of course um we can't ever be fully separate from it um but we certainly are allowed to have the experience of not having it as present in our awareness Seems interesting though, like once you get to that level of understanding and you realize, like Mike was commenting on before, even though in the dark context, that intelligent energy, intelligent infinity there, that they still will continue down that path, knowing that it is the path which is not, but it's it's a conviction, I guess, at that point, that you just continue continue down it. But it just seems like you would identify once the veil's been lifted and see through that, realize um, I guess we'd say maybe the fastest way back to back to the creator in that sense. Yeah, and there's been a, a lot of um, duality and non-duality thrown in chat here tonight also. And, and really what we're talking about, this whole trajectory, the fool's journey, et cetera, is, is that journey from a, a non-dual experience, knowing the self as one, into an experience of dualism and separation, and then ultimately um, moving back. So this has everything to do with your point of awareness. So when we talk about um, connecting with intelligent infinity, for example, um, more so than maybe just like bringing, 
you know, that into what you're, you know, what you would describe as your current level of awareness or consciousness, I think it's much more knowing the self as that level of consciousness, uh, allowing for um, what is always true and is always there, not so much creating it in your experience, but more rediscovering it. And so we are an individuated aspect of, of consciousness and experiencing duality because we're we have the veil and we have this ability to to know ourselves as separate but ultimately there is no duality as uh todd just said there so it's not possible but we are allowed to have an experience of separation right and they call it that which is not as as nathan mentioned i thought it'd be good to read um this is a very succinct way of uh, describing that i think um, they said in session 80, 85, the polarization process as it enters fourth density is one which occurs with full knowledge of the veiling process, which has taken place in third density. This veiling process is that which is a portion of the third density experience. The knowledge and memory of the outcome of this and all portions of the third density experience informs the higher density polarized entity. It, however, does not influence the choice which has been made uh, and which is the basis for further work past third density and polarization. This is why there's a third, a fourth density negative, and fourth density positive, and fourth density, fifth density negative, fifth density positive. Um, so that that choice in third density defines all the work that can be done in fourth and fifth density. Um, and those which have chosen the service to self path, that was a transmission error that they said they corrected. Um, those which have chosen the service to self-path have simply used the veiling process in order to potentiate that which is not. This is an entirely acceptable method of self-knowledge of and by the creator. So that which is not, is this what you would describe as a separation? Yeah. Okay. Embracing the illusion, basically, right? To, to use for your control and for your progression on the negative path, I guess, at that point, right? Yeah. Right. So would you also, would you... Um by extension say that the service to self path is a uh, the most fully committed to um uh, a separate experience as as opposed to service to others with its net goal being one of non-dual and ultimate divine oneness and reunion like it, do these concepts sort of drive the underlying choice Um, maybe you should rephrase that. Well, um, I want to make sure that they don't just <clears throat> happen to overlap, but that they are, this is definitely sort of the way that it goes. If the service to self path is really about potentiating, um, separation or meaning, um, amassing a level of, of power within the self at the cost of and in denial of it existing obviously within a source or or anything else i mean that's um just another label i guess to put on the spectrum of of service is um it is a commitment to to a dualistic experience versus non-dual or i guess that's what i'm asking if those just happen to line up or if those are pretty well mapped out accordingly it could be that it's perceived differently in fourth density from fifth density and sixth density of course is perceived very differently as the negative path 
begins to break down yeah and the, the yeah it's like the paradox of 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 potentiating that which is not as more apparent i think yeah um, Be, because you ultimately are are faced with the truth right and, and right. you just simply see it and you're like well this is getting harder and harder to try to to create an experience of of separation as i um get closer and closer to seeing that that's just not true yeah yeah and don i think there was maybe you can remember nathan where this might have been that don asked at one point wouldn't a negative entity realize um doesn't have access to this kind of information that we're talking about here and realize that it's on a path that is the path of falsity but my impression of it raw's answer was that it just it just doesn't it just doesn't care it already has made its choice in what kind of experience it's seeking and and in a sense that's it's like if you're playing a video game to me too it's it's like um you're having you're choosing to have an experience you don't quit the game if you've already chosen to have that experience of gunning down your enemies and and seeing that you have enemies you know they even though they're the the shortcut to escaping that um experience is always there it was like why would you take it you chose to have that you chose to have that experience yeah that, that's exactly right from what i remember on that one you're referring to as well too it's you you've made this decision like we were saying in that quote there in the third density to serve the self so basically end up seeing yourself as the creator and in which sense you need to organize and control everybody else so you've made that decision and you just keep embracing that and um i guess polarizing further and further until you get to that sixth density point but it's a uh, yeah, it seems like you're just kind of reamplifying what you've already chosen. Yep. Maybe this would be a good time to go to session 41. Maybe we can address your next question, Todd, a uh, little, little after um, some, some more of this discussion, because I think that would be a great one to get into after we um, broaden up the discussion here. Um, so let's figure out I wanted to get into this. So, yeah. So, um, this is this is an, a way of comprehending the nature of the spirit that I thought might be valuable. Um, so, the question was about the value of fasting. Uh, uh, Ron had uh, Ra had said that the fasting was a method of removing unwanted thought forms, and asked Ra to expand on this process and explain a little bit more about how this works. And Ra said, um, fasting as all healing techniques must be used by a conscious being that is a being conscious that the ridding of excess and unwanted material from the body complex is the analogy to the ridding of mind or spirit of excess or unwanted material so so the the idea of fasting is that that you have become conscious that there's more here than just diet that, that when when you're aware that there's the ridding of excess an unwanted material from the body that's going to correspond uh, to the ridding of, of mental or spiritual junk. It's almost like you've chosen to use your body as like a, a ritual, um, sort sort of a magical act. Like you are now the magic wand, and as you as you shake off the the junk from the body, you're you're shaking off the junk from from the spiritual dimensions at the same time. Thus, the one discipline or denial of the un unwanted portion. Uh, as an appropriate part of the self. So the discipline or denial of the unwanted portion as an appropriate part of the self 
is taken through the tree of mind down through the trunk to subconscious levels where the connection is made and thus body, mind, and spirit then in unison express denial of the excess or unwanted spiritual or mental material as part of the entity. All then falls away and the entity while understanding, if you will, and appreciating the nature of the rejected material as part of the greater self, nevertheless, through the action of the will, purifies and refines the mind-body-spirit complex, bringing into manifestation the desired mind-complex or spirit-complex attitude. Um, and the, the most, more significant um, quote here, I think, is in the very next uh, uh, answer. The question was, then would this be like a conscious reprogramming of catalyst? For instance, if for some entities, catalyst is programmed by the higher self to create experiences so that the entity can release it, itself from unwanted biases. Would this be analogous then to the entity consciously programming this release and using fasting as a method of communication to itself? And Ross said, this is not only correct, but may be taken further. The self, if conscious to a great enough extent of the workings of this catalyst and the techniques of programming may through concentration of the will and the faculty of faith alone, which is again the catalyst of the spirit, um, cause reprogramming through through concentration of the will and the faculty of faith alone. You can cause reprogramming without the analogy analogy of the fasting, the diet, or other analogous body complex disciplines. So they're saying um, this this very process uh, of of magically, you know, refocusing and sending sending the thought down the tree of mind, which they said is happening when you have this thought that you don't want this anymore, you want to get rid of this. Um, this is this is a thought that is taken through the tree of mind, down through the trunk to subconscious levels. And they also say at another point that magical ability is the ability of the conscious mind to use the so-called un unconscious mind. So that's what you're doing with fasting is you're, 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 ta you're taking a magical um, stance by sending that that conscious thought down through the trunk to subconscious levels where the connection is made um, and thus the body of uh, mind and spirit then in unison express that denial and so when um, I think when the spirit is is expressing the denial that's when you have um, uh, a reprogramming of, of the reality the, the the milieu again I think is what's being reformed so <clears throat> I'd like to um to dig into this a little bit for sure um would you would you suggest that the adept is approaching this with that thought form already in mind that that the adept is aware of the the thought form that it would like to release and then as mechanism for doing so for example initiates a fast um and as a conscious you know individual because that's the intent that then it worked or could a, an adept or conscious individual say i'm going to initiate a fast in in the hopes and with the faith of of releasing any and all things that are excess and unwanted material from the body complex i think that you don't have to have a a, a very clear picture to benefit significantly i think it can be a very vague idea which really when we're talking about having unwanted material in the spiritual complex, you don't really have a clear picture of it. 
I don't know if you, you ever really do. You just know that there's a darkness there. There's a there's a there's a shadow that you're in, I suppose. Um, but but it does say it, I think there's extra emphasis um, as all healing techniques must be used by a conscious being that is a being conscious that the ridding of excess more material from the body complex is the anal analogy to the ridding of mind or spirit excess. Um, so I suggest I, I imagine that there has to be something that you are aware of being undesi undesirous of having that you want to get rid of some sense of it. Yeah, that was what I thought with your first analogy, Andrew, there was that, yes, you must be aware in order to, I guess, reframe or to um, change that act. So if it's you realize, OK, the smoking cigarettes is, is not healthy for me, but I'm addicted to it. But then you can go through and, and initiate that fast with the thought in mind of, OK, I want to clear out this, um, I guess, addiction from that point and be able to eliminate it if you can go through all the different layers of the mind, body, and spirit there um, from the time space and pull it in. Sure. And would you suggest then that if someone did not have even a, a, a vague notion of what that thing is or that thought form, just the simple acceptance that I must be in abject denial of the divine or my experience would necessarily be um, a lot more different than it is, um, it's not just a broad acceptance. I, again, I'm just confirming with what you're saying that it, it would seem more that that adept needs to have a little bit of an idea of what thing is excess or unwanted that it seeks to release and then might exercise the fast as the way of doing that. And by the way, I'd also be curious um, to hear from either of you on why, I guess, both physically and metaphysically, a fast specifically would would um, accomplish ridding excess and unwanted? Does this, um, for example, like say going into ketosis and the, the body processing parts of itself for energy that we would presume to be excess or, or unwanted like fats, for example, or, or no, do you guys draw a parallel at all in that way to this? I mean, could, could you state that again? Yeah. Why would a fast specifically be responsible for ridding the body of excess and unwanted material. And the only way I can think of is ketosis. And that's what I'm asking is, is whether you think that that's what is happening. I, I think the heart of this has to do with the will. And okay. the, you know, wh why is it that, that we have attracted baggage into our mind, body, and spirit? And I think that, um, I think that there is an interesting subconscious thing that happens when we're eating um, and that we can be eating very unconsciously. And I think that maybe even specific fat cells that are programmed into our, into our physical being when we're in a particular, this is my theory is that when we're eating a food in a particular state of consciousness, and then we're storing that in our body, we're starting to store that aggressive or whatever energy we processed that food with or, or, or lack of compassion for the, for the food itself or for the person who brought the food, you know, th there could be lots of um, facets to the, the will that brought in the physical material um, that, that is, that is storing baggage in a, in, a, in a metaphysical way at the same time as the storing of the physical material. That's my theory, but I think that this could just be a, a helpful way of, of, uh, of imagining it in, in a magical sense that lets you rid yourself of, of more things. Right. 
I guess the other question would be, could, could walking, you know, 10 miles or literally anything else that's done in the physical from a magical perspective, that's kind of what is required. Something has to happen in the physical. And so that's all I was kind of curious about here is whether there was something specific around the fast that, that is congruent metaphysically with what it is that's being done. Or if to your point, it's really no pick something that you can exercise the will around and go exercise your will <laughs> period. And if you do that with the desire to rid yourself of excess or unwanted material, and as you know, by the same token, if you went to an extreme and you had your mind, right, as you were eating um, any, any type of material for that matter, with the intention of, of ridding yourself of excess material, you could do that, I guess. If you're just Well, this kind of gets into the next question here, which was about where Ra emphasized, if conscious to a great enough extent of the workings of this catalyst and the techniques of programming, you may then through concentration of the will and the faculty of faith alone, cause your programming without the analogy of fasting, the diet or, or other analogous body complex disciplines. So they're saying no physical activity is needed if you can understand it. But right. I still, I still feel that fasting is uniquely powerful because of the fact that we're eating every day, and it's just, it's something that we're just so attached to that the 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 nature of of our the association between mind and body and spirit becomes more apparent as you as you've been fasting for a few days. But I want to hear Nathan's viewpoint too. Yeah, I think that's, I've looked at it a little more generically like that too, where we associate the fasting with the purification. Um, all of many of the other cultures, ancient cultures, everyone's kind of had this idea that fasting can help on, for, from a number of different levels. So I've looked at it generically there, that you're using that almost as the vehicle to rid then whatever item you're conscious of that you would like to purify, but it's um, an enhancing mechanism basically. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I don't practice it, but I experience what I call incidental fasting. Yeah, and I, I, that's something that people have been talking about for a long time with the the value of eating less often, uh, and that's something that's been naturally done by humanity for long periods of time. Obviously, when there's less food, people just don't eat as often. Um, um, and I, so I do feel like there's there's something more mysterious here to the nature of fasting because of maybe it's because of ketosis and that the body sort of switches completely over to a different way of, of dealing with food, which is the fat burning and no longer needing to take in. Um, but, you know, if you, if you research the, um, um, the people who don't need food, um, the, um, what, what do they call it? The, um, there, there's a great documentary on that about the talking about the sun, the sun, sun gazing, the that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So apparently, people who have have gone without food, they apparently have some kind of miraculous thing in their bodies where the the whatever light they're taking in is just not from food, but they're still taking in the light that they need. And when you get into that state where your where your your body's trying to survive off of light in a different way, it could be that there is a sort of transformation that's just naturally happening in the body. But this is like a much more intense fast than what would normally be needed, I think, when you're um, completely trying to get off of food for a period of weeks or something like that. I think that that reaches a sort of a, a point where your your body might start to do more than burn fat for energy, and it might take on more prana, for example. And the, and the, the nature of the um, 
what what the raw calls the vital energy might become more uh, of a, of a, a apparent thing to you that you're that you're seeing the energy of of the of the more pure nature that that's that's all around you coming into um or maybe you feel this you don't see it you, you feel the, the energy coming into your body from something like being in the sun or being on bare earth barefoot um or being in nature more yeah um completely i um i think that metaphysically you know again switching to a, a fast and going into ketosis you've you've changed the source of your energy right you've you've moved it from something that is outside of me to something that is now within me and and anytime you accept that as your experience and something that you understand consciously as ra says here is actually happening so i know that every afternoon usually by that time i'm in ketosis just generally speaking because i probably would be by then and accept that in my experience that my source of energy can come from within so i wouldn't minimize metaphysically what's going on in consciousness there as well because to your point about people doing it with faith alone it is when you get your mind right your body will fall in line regardless it is a reflection your body is a reflection of your mind and and right. it's not ever going to not be that way so we can talk about all the different ways that we make choices that will leave our bodies in a state of being a reflection of our minds but it's always the case right so yeah this is a big subject but maybe this is time to um, go back to todd's question about of the nature of the law of attraction um do we get what we want through focus of thoughts or as energy to manifest. Um, so, what, what, Nathan, what do you think about the the? the there's so many different in our society, in our in our culture. There's different interpretations of what the law of attraction means. Um, but do, does Ra say that um, the law of attraction influences, um, or the, the 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 focus of the of the will? Is that is that how we're creating our reality? I guess that's really what. The way they put it, I guess, does it make sense? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And, and from that's that's my understanding as well. Basically, is that it's it's the power of the will. Wow, has about three or four probably really good quotes that you can talk that you can't uh, provide this with too much importance. Or I, I'm not saying it quite exactly right, but the power yeah. of the will is what is then attracting to you. So the law of attraction is basically a minor part to what all you can do with the will, but it's uh, but it's real if, if focused. Yeah. Yeah, your faculty will is that which is powerful within you as co-creator. You cannot ascribe to this faculty too much importance. Therefore, it must be carefully used and directed in service to others for those upon a positively oriented path. Um, and and really, the will relates to the, the magician archetype too. I think the matrix of the mind from which all comes. So if if, if everything is determined by the will on some level then then that absolutely is is reforming our reality and attracting different things to us it's just we may be attracting the opposite of what we're wanting on the one side of the veil when we're not we're not fully clear 
And then um, when we see what we get through our path of seeking, then that is the, the call to drop the illusory husks, I guess, um, see beyond the illusory husks and see the heart of the creator teaching us through um, the seeming duality of the situation. But you need to be consciously aware, kind of similar, like we were talking in that last quote of, of why you are receiving, I guess, that experience and what you need to accept to, I guess, view that in a different light or see that, that positively from there, right? Right. Yeah, it seems that the, um, the challenge lies when you're not choosing a polarity, when you're waffling back and forth on the way you want to see the situation, that's when there's less progress being made. It's the sinkhole of indifference. Mm -hmm. Looks like Todd just said that as well. It can be a service to self concept as well. You can see that, I guess, negatively too, if, if you were just enhancing your experience through the illusion um, by, I guess, controlling others. Right. Continuing to. Yeah. There's great danger in the use of the will as the personality becomes stronger or it may be used even subconsciously in ways reducing the polarity of the entity. So this this is also why it's like, I, I don't know if uh, I'm better off poor than rich. Like, like if I have more money, do I become subconsciously more serving to myself than others? Um, but it's care, careful, is, be careful with the personality. Is, is what they're saying. Careful. That's an interesting thing you're saying though there. So if you, but if you become rich instead, you could possibly help more as well. If, if you're using your will, I guess, in a sense to, to be of service and your dedication to be of service that you can use that, what you've gained, I guess, as another mechanism to help others in, in a way that you couldn't before, but it's right. more of, I guess, your intention behind it or um, yeah. Yeah, the way you go about it. Yeah. Yeah, all the catalyst is useful, and it's going it keep coming one way or another, I guess. Um, so we've gone for 100 minutes now, and we could uh, go in any direction people want. Um, I think the only other... Uh, couple things I wanted to cover might as well jump back to that because yeah I think what I was trying to get at with some of these quotes was coming to a clearer picture of what what is the spirit complex and the the detour there we took with fasting is um I think a fascinating one that just hinting at the fact that there's there's a deeper deeper connections between the body mind and spirit than we often recognize um, and then 30.5 was a discussion of the spirit in the context of the evolution um, of, of the universe. Um, going back as far as necessary, uh, Don asks, do, do mind-body-spirit complexes originate by spirit-forming mind and mind-forming body? Can you tell me this? And then Ross said, we ask you to consider that you are attempting to trace evolution. This evolution is, is as we have previously described. The consciousness being first and first density without movement, a random thing, whether you, you call this mind or body complex is a semantic problem. We call it 
mind-body complex, recognizing always that in the simplest iota of this complex exists in its entirety the one infinite creator. This mind-body complex then in second density, discovering, growing, and nurture and turning towards the light, thus awakening what you may call the spirit complex, that which intensifies the upward spiraling towards the love and light of the infinite creator. So there has to be a very, very slow process of uh, in the second density, discovering and turning towards the spiritual light, awakening what you may call the spirit complex. I think and, it has to do with what Rod describes as that inspiriting process as well, too. There's, I think, two quotes that talk about the inspiriting, and it's Rod says inspirited, and then the next one he said, one doesn't become inspirited, they become aware of the intelligent energy within them, is, is what that actually looks like. Right. Um, there is, um, oh yeah, he goes, yeah, 19, two and three. So there are three types of sec second density entities which shall become inspirited. The first is the animal, this is the most predominant. The second is the vegetable, most especially that which you call sound vibration complex tree. These entities are capable of giving and receiving enough love to become individualized. The third category is mineral. Occasionally, a certain location, place, as you may call it, becomes energized to individuality through the love it receives and gives in relationship to a third density entity, which is in relationship to it. This is the least common transition. And then um, entities do not become inspirited. They become aware of the intelligent energy within each portion, cell or atom, as you may call it, of its beingness. This awareness is that which is awareness of that already given uh, from the infinite. I'm not sure exactly what they mean by that. Um, maybe they mean the intelligent energy. Um, that makes sense. From the infinite come all densities. The self-awareness comes from within, given the catalyst. The self-awareness comes from within. There should be a comma there. Given the catalyst of certain experiences, understanding, as we may call this particular energy, the upward spiraling of the cell or atom or consciousness. You may then see that there is an inevitable pull towards the what you may call eventual realization of self. And then there's another portion of this around the pets too, right? The... Um, um, much as you would put on a vestment, so do your third density beings invest or clothe some second density beings with self-awareness. This is often done through the opportunity of what you may call pets. It has been also done by various other names of investiture. These include many so-called religious practice complexes, which personify and send love to various natural second density beings in their group form. So it's fascinating that um, this might be like an ongoing thing across all the densities where there's the higher density beings uh, investing in the lower density beings as a, as a form of teaching or um, bringing them up into the higher awareness. So do you see that as what Ron describes as the inspiriting or the becoming aware of intelligent energy you're aiding aiding another in that sense to 
do that to activate the spirit complex to then, I guess, become a third density entity or is, I'm trying, I guess I'm trying to think of how that ins like this inspiriting, that's not really inspiriting, that's becoming aware of the intelligent energy that they're talking about yeah. there. If that's yeah. done in the second density form, to then come back into third density, or do you need to already be at a certain level to, I don't know, maybe I'm getting lost here, but it's, I think it's this might be also something discussed even with the pyramid healing that the entity to be healed um, has an opportunity to create a new reality for itself in that higher energy state. And then, and then as you step out of the pyramid, you get to reform your aura and, and decide how much you want to hold on to that energy that you were you were coming out of that 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 higher energy um, state? Um, so, I I don't know if this is just beings are becoming more one in this process, um, or yeah, but it is mysterious to me still. This is <clears throat> this is represented in Paul Selig's work, I think, very broadly prevalently in introducing vibration through claims of truth to others and this is how they prescribe lifting consciousness by simply claiming the truth in another as one with the infinite creator um, and it, it seems to be the same thing when when you to know is to realize to realize is to make real so when you claim that for another that knowledge that knowing creates an opportunity i'm um, just like you described mike where somebody might then choose a new a new potential right yeah and that's really what uh i think happens with getting downloads from our guides from from intuition it's like here's an opportunity to have a thought um and and as much as we're capable of going down that pathway we might choose to do that and perhaps being clothed in a and a sea of thoughts of isn't this a very adorable pet and this is a very adorable individual that that mind that wanted to be a part of the 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 tribe um has an opportunity to strive for that that awareness so this is um another way of talking about inspiriting i guess which is a word that is yeah you know not used in the context context of the archetypes um but it's um it's it's interesting to me that that also in the context of like a harvest that there is a growing of of fruit on some level with the souls with the spirit spiritual energies that were they were they were always building and anchoring more more light as we go from the seemingly separate to the 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 divine and, and infinite expression um piecing piecing together more and more light onto a, a expression of mind body and spirit complexes um so the other thing that i wanted to touch on was uh 23 um 23.7 and um i just threw these together on a few days ago thinking this would be but this is like an infinite i feel like there's so many different paths to talk about because of the discussions of the the roots of mind all throughout the material the discussion of the mind body spirit complex all throughout the material um 
and and this study between the evolution of of uh, second density to third density seems to be one of the one of the entryways that is rarely associated when I'm thinking about the spirit complex. I don't always think about it in terms of you know what what, what is different between me and and a pet. What, what is what is the process that is the natural um, evolution of spirit that is continuing on now from second to third to fourth density. Um, yeah, how is that initiated? That self awareness, that self desire to to know the self, basically. But is that that upward draw or upward spiraling light that's constantly within you that basically um, initiates the different densities and initiates your desire to continue through them? But I agree. I think that's a fun one to to consider at least from pets and moving on. Right. So this question was uh, from Don. When you spoke of pyramid healing. I'm assuming that the primary healing was for the mind. Is this correct? And Rasa, this is partially correct. The healing, if it is to be effectuated, must be a funneling without significant distortion of the in-streamings through the spiritual complex into the tree of mind. So this is, I think this is um, talking about um, uh, healing of mind, body, and spirit. Um, there are parts of this mind which block energies flowing to the body complex. In each case, in each entity, the blockage may well defer. And I assume that the blockages of the mind are talking about the, like the chakra system, the parts of the mind which block energies flowing to the body complex. Um, so uh, distortions of the body will come because of the blockages of the mind. Um, first, however, like that. Oh, okay. sorry. I was just going to ask if that would be like similar to what they analogize the, the cancer to causing in the body is because of that negative thought form. So there's a distortion, which then takes shape in the body and in the form of cancer. Would that be the right. way you're reading that part there too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it's like there's the natural healing energies that uh, the body probably has potentially available to it, but that are blocked because the mind is holding on to something so tightly. Like anger. Yeah. Exactly. So first, before healing, however, it is necessary to activate the sense of the spiritual channel or shuttle. And, and this is, I assume, in specifically when you're using the, the pyramid. Um, uh, it is necessary to activate the sense of the spiritual shuttle channel or shuttle. Then, whether the blockage is from spiritual to mental or from mental to physical, or whether it may simply be a random and purely physical trauma, healing may then be carried out. So what is this uh, sense of the shuttle? And um, I, you know, I, I, I could say that from meditating in pyramids um, for many years, there is something that's hard to describe that feels like an opening that, that is occurring um, that, is, that can still occur during meditation, I think, without a pyramid. And I think it becomes more apparent I think maybe um, psychedelics can assist in this too, um, um, but I but I think that the the awareness of the nature of the blockages is really the key here, whether the blockage is from spiritual to mental or from mental to physical, or whether it's simply a random and purely physical trauma, healing can be carried out when you have that sense of the of the shuttle that's opening, which which may be the 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 um, 
the opening of the indigo ray too. Um, and taught us about metal or copper pyramids. Um, I think it's, they've talked about anything that's not made with um, tannous metals, not having tin in it. So copper, pot copper is good, wood is good, plastic is fine. Um, just not, um, not steel. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if the Luxor Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas has much power in there. I don't know if anyone's ever done an experiment in that. Um, so are you saying there with this, this last part here that the activating of that spiritual channel or shuttle. So in, in your meditations in the pyramid there, you're basically activating that, or you, you notice that. So you are communicating then with your unconscious mind and able to then easily identify the spiritual to mental or mental to physical blockages in, in that sense, or is it more of you just, I'm trying to think of how else to phrase that, but is it is an awareness that you then see once, once that, uh, channel is activated. Yeah. It's like knowing the self, accepting the self, become the creator. I think knowing of the distortions is the first step to accepting and healing the distortions through that acceptance. And, and that goes straight back to session five. We're talking about uh, identifying the imbalance through seeing kind of in terms of the opposites by seeing that, that there was the one negative, just negative energy that, that had no positive energy to block, to balance it. Um, and I think when you can, when you can see yourself in some new level of forgiveness, that is naturally the balancing of the of the distorted energy or blockage. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. But it's a constant learning process, I guess, from from that point. The yeah, knowing the accepting and then kind of embracing it, I guess, as the creator. So, would do you? take this sort of verbatim activate the sense of the spiritual channel meaning um having a sensation of it or an awareness of it and i don't know if that's too uh, granular or not and i know what you described mike was sounded more like a sensation but in my experience for example i may not have a sensation of that and so i would like to know whether an awareness of the spiritual channel or shuttle is is uh, effective enough here. Well, I, I think that we're really talking about the indigo ray opening here, um, and that maybe maybe this is where we could have gone with this. Um, for example, the the indigo ray is open only through considerable discipline and practice, largely having to do with accept, acceptance of self, not only as the polarized and balanced self, but as the creator, as an entity of infinite worth. This will begin to activate the indigo ray. So, um, what was your question again? Um, just it said the sense of the shuttle. It said right, the, the sense. sense. Yeah. yeah, I was just wondering whether you thought that was truly a sensation or or just an awareness. I think it's both, and I think that um, I think that there's an energy of the indigo ray. And, and there's also um, the awarenesses which bust through the blockages of the lower chakras, which help us activate the indigo ray. And so each of those blockages of the mind are something it requires a considerable discipline and practice um, to, to work through. So that's, I think that's, that's awareness is, is helping you reach those disciplines. 
Um, and then the sensation is something that has to do with seeing in terms of the what they call the universal um, um, where do they where do they say that maybe they didn't put that in, in this particular search but th but there was the the passage where they talked about seeing in terms of um, universal energies when you're opening the indigo you're seeing more in terms of the universal energies so there's I think there's a sensation and an awareness definitely so on that um, previous passage that you were just looking at um, with the oh the um, 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 yeah, it talked about um, practices. And I'm curious as to whether you guys have any that you would say apply to, yeah, the considerable discipline and practice. So, yeah, would you say that you have a considerable discipline and practice uh, surrounding acceptance of the self? I think they've said this in, in, in different ways too, in different parts that maybe we should re revisit in the next one too. That um, Well, they do talk about balancing things at the end of yeah. the day energetically. And, and I mean, that, that would certainly yeah. count. But for anyone watching this, a lot of people might be particularly interested in, you know, <laughs> what does this look like for the adept who's actually going through this? Granted, we all want to understand it and uh -huh. work within the language that Ra's given us here. Well, what one practice is reading this material. That is, that is, this is a practice that we're engaged in. <laughs> All right, <laughs> fair, yeah. and it does take discipline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I've, 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 as as somebody who has been enjoying, this is funny to keep bringing up, but you know, as somebody who's been enjoying Christian um, worship since I was a kid. Um, that's become more and more and more of uh, something that it's like I, I don't care about any distortions of Christianity. I just care about the activation aspects of it. And so it's like a continued um, so music itself can be a way of, of uh, disciplining us if we're um, if our life can become the song that we're trying to sing, basically, the, the song continuously becomes I am I am I'm no longer the 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 lower self i am i am becoming the higher self you can you can sing that in many different ways and that can be a practice it doesn't have to be a christian discipline but that just happens to be the way that i've been conveniently programmed with since i was a kid um i know i know you, you both haven't had that and i know that there's many other kinds of musicians out there now and this is also why i've been lately i've just been absolutely loving the um neem Karoli baba uh stories and uh, videos um, and I just discovered a new documentary um, about Neem Karoli Baba that was about, uh, I, I guess you'd call him a yogi who was with Neem Karoli Baba all the time. Um, um, and that documentary is called um, uh, The... Um, um, it's, it's escaping me. Um, maybe I'm not meant to share it right now. I'd be curious to know though if you're if you're able to find it because that's yeah. I, I really enjoy the path of of yoga there and a lot of the different teachings yeah. they have. Yeah, this was one I've talked. We just started. I just started watching. I haven't finished watching it, but it's pretty profound. It's called "Brilliant Disguise: The Samadhi of Casey Tawari." 
And uh, this is a guy who was reaching these higher states of consciousness, apparently like all throughout the day. It's like he spent so much time as a yogi before he met named Karoli Baba that he would have these experiences that were just, just beyond magical with Neem Karoli Baba just playing in, in, in these unseen realms. Um, but he was he was in a state of samadhi through much of his life, um, it would seem, this individual. Um, uh, um, yeah, yeah, and, and this Neem Karoli Baba individual obviously was the same way. He was he was probably like in a constant state of of ecstasy that was just unfolding through um, expressions of an infinite mind that seemed to be beyond his separate personality. Um, and it's hard to say what that what that was like, but 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 I think reading about these kinds of individuals, um, hearing about them, is a kind of practice too. And this is a kind of practice that is um, fruitful up to a point, and then you have to kind of take what you've learned and turn within and not allow, not need, not need anything externally. And that's the, that's the activation of the sense of self as creator, um, as an entity of infinite worth. It's like, to me, with what you described there, it's also like putting words into contacting intelligent energy, intelligent infinity. So being in that Samadhi state, you then can, I guess, contextualize it yourself, but then you still need to do the work for yourself, but you now have an idea of, I guess, how to achieve or how others have achieved. And it's, uh, it, it's a pathway then, or it's a guide that, that can be used. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a subject we'll keep on coming back to, the nature of intelligent infinity and activation and um, the path that we're always on. Um, any other things in the chat that we should cover? Um, but thank you guys for all attending. Um, Anyone else have any thoughts? Um, thoughts? I would like uh, just in some future one of the deep dives to maybe, or maybe we can talk offline about what it would look like, what we chatted about earlier, um, putting some scenarios in place and then finding the archetypes within the scenario so that we can start to again, put some faces to the names and, you know, for those of us that have read obviously the raw material we've gotten maybe a, a healthier dose of that on on the mind archetypes but as you know it connects to the body and the spirit and and the rest of those i think everyone will will continue to get benefit as they um, start to see the map of their own consciousness yeah i, I definitely like that idea and i put a few outlines together so i'd be happy to share that with you guys at least to help facilitate the conversation and we can kind of break it down from their critique and um hopefully bring it up here then to, I, I just think that would make these things a lot clearer as well so i agree yeah yeah um i, I will say that the um the archetypes are very hard to figure out in their purest sense because it's like we're we're like it's going beyond all distortions of our society and culture that were they're just like the layers on top of that but but penetrating through the mind to, to have the sense of those is is like as many ways of doing that as there are um experiences of one of creator i guess um i always feel that they're fruitful i mean anytime we're forming a vortex like that and and looking at something from new angles um but yeah to your point we are talking about things that tend to be pretty pure in their purest form so we can get close to them maybe um, right 
that, that always helps. Yeah. And the, the easy example that we talked about last month is the male and female. Like you have, you have this very big, um, big, big, big symbol that we all understand male and female to, to start digging, digging with, with different archetypes. Exactly. Um, cool. Well, I look forward to that and, and uh, every other conversation that we'll have. Yep. Definitely. All right. Thanks a lot for joining and hope that was enlightening to people. Likewise. Thanks everyone for joining. Thank you, Thank you all.